Welcome to the Eye on Innovation podcast brought to you from OIS. I'm your host, Carrie Powers, and I have the incredible opportunity, the best job, to get to talk to really smart, interesting people, and today is no exception. Uh, today, my guests are Yari Mitchell and Greg Kunst. Yari most recently served as the Chief Business Development Officer for AccuFocus, the small aperture company, acquired by Bosch & Lomb in January of this year, and she is now heading up Y-Factor Consulting. Greg Kunst is the CEO of Orion Biotech, whose lead candidate has the potential to be the first clinically validated cell therapy for the treatment of corneal endothelial disease. So welcome both of you. Thank you so much for making time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. So today our focus is on accessing capital and navigating M&A transactions. Yari and Greg couldn't be any more qualified to, to be our guest to talk about this subject. Yari spent nearly 13 years at AccuFocus before leading the charge on that transaction with BNL. And Greg led Orion to a $120 million raise in April 2022. And that was undoubtedly a very, very difficult environment to be raising capital. You know, I know no personally from, <laughs> from my startup, my startup uh, time as well. So um, I know our listeners are going to be on the edge of their seats taking notes uh, while we explore this topic together today. So I think a really great place to start is with crafting the story. I think that is the absolute, you know, most important critical factor when you're trying to sell your idea, right? Um, so, so both of your companies had such a radically different approach, um, scientifically speaking, uh, to the problems that you're trying to solve. And so I wonder if you think that made it easier to sell to investors or more difficult to sell to investors? And how did you go about crafting that story? So Yari, let's start with you. Yeah, sure. I think for us, at, at, when I was at AccuFocus, bringing another intraocular lens to the market had its advantages and it had its challenges. An intraocular lens is known, but what wasn't known was the small aperture mechanism of action. So what we had to do was sort of prove that methodology. And then one of the things that we found that investors wanted to see is something that was fundamentally different, right? That was either going to be completely different and open up new markets, or it was going to be such a substantial change to current technology that it would be able to take market share and deliver value. So our goal was to, how do we identify with a new mechanism of action, how is our lens going to meet that requirement? So that's kind of where we started, and then it moved into working with physicians to craft that. Uh, so that's that's ultimately where we began. Great. I mean, I think in our case, it, it, we started from a, kind of a different place in that cell therapy is very new to medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that creates a bit of interest, but also creates a bit of challenge. And that challenge becomes, you know, very few people understand cell therapy and the, the risks and benefits. And investors naturally, when they don't understand something, they, they get risk averse. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I think on one hand, one can say, you know, being very different is helpful because you want to be differentiated you know, to be able to, to raise money. On the flip side, sure. it, it, you know, it cuts the other, other way in that it, it becomes a harder challenge to explain exactly what you do and why you're going to be su successful at it. And, you know, we spent a lot of time, particularly with ophthalmology investors, educating them on cell therapy. Mm -hmm. Conversely, we spent on, on biotech investors, they, they wanted to dive in deep in things like CMC, manufacturing, uh -huh. and regulatory. So it, it depended who we, we spoke with, but I definitely agree with Yara. You, you need to have a 
clear unmet need, you're going to be different. If, if, if you're the 25th prostaglandin analog or the 25th you know, monofocal IOL, the, the, yeah. the ability to raise money in this environment is, is yeah. really hard. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think to overcome the barriers that exist within the, you know, our channel or the IOL channel in particular is there's already so many lenses out there. They're all trying to do the same thing, deliver a range of vision. And, but we've reached this sort of peak adoption and we've been sitting, hovering at this space for such a long time. So, you know, we were asked, you know, how does this lens make a difference? How are you going to be the one that grows the market, takes share? And also, how are you going to stand up to the big players that have the budgets? Right. So well, well, then, also conversely, I mean, how, how do you how do you exit in, in the sense of I mean, as you guys have successfully have done, mm -hmm. you exited with a strategic when most of the strategics actually have their own R and D and IOLs. You mm -hmm. have to be very different and, and, and very differentiated in that case to be to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and which to me speaks to part of the story is you've got to be thinking through how are you going to take this product to market and compete? What are the pathways for reimbursement? And then make sure that you're crafting that on the front end as you're building your strategy and rolling it out. You've got to be very mindful. You know, if your end goal is a strategic, how is it going to fit in the portfolio? How is it going to pull through other technologies? So, yeah, you've got to be mindful of that. And I would imagine for you with, you know, your strategy, it's thinking forward with a, a you know, blue ocean. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, because it, again, it's, it doesn't. It's an area. It's a disease area that we haven't really done a lot in ophthalmology with. And secondly, it's 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 a therapeutic class that is mm -hmm. is is. You know, we're still trying to as a as a you know as an industry, we're still trying to figure out what's the role for cell therapy. How do we how do we adopt it? How do we how do we do it logistically? And, and so you know, each opportunity has its own challenges. But I think. Like the message is, you know, make sure that you you're you know, you're addressing a clear unmet need, and two, make sure that you you make it very clear that you, as you look at the competitive uh, competitive set, that that you're different and, and you're addressing uh, you're addressing unaddressed un uh, questions uh, with, with your technology. Mm -hmm. So the headline is radical differentiation. I think <laughs> yeah, we've absolutely. come up with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's the answer. Mm -hmm. So as a startup, it's always such a delicate balance uh, between being mindful of budgets, mm -hmm. but also wanting to show up in a big way and yeah. differentiate yourself in the marketplace, um, have a voice, be a little loud. Mm -hmm. So what do you think are the areas that have been most critical for you to invest in outside of R&D, of course, mm -hmm. right? But when you're trying to show up as a credible company, when you are you know, running on a tight budget, what do you think are the biggest areas of investment that are important? Greg, let's start with you this time. Sure. I mean, I always we talk about our company's phase-appropriate investment. I mean, so when we're, we're early, you know, we're investing primarily in science, and, and then we start to pivot in, into clinicals. But the hard part becomes, to your, your I think the foundation of your question is, how do you do that and still have a have a have a big brand and keep interest? Because that is certainly important to to raise money and certainly important to try to exit the company. And so, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think where I tend to go there is making sure that you align yourself with with the right KOL consultants and build the right MAB because there mm -hmm. there is much a part of your brand is is your own company and absolutely at least in our industry. I mean, all of us three of us all have deep experience in the industry. You know. There's no secrets in this industry, so if you get the right people in place, you know I think by and large the you know the, the cream of the crop will always rise the, rise the top. Yeah. So the team, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so phased appropriate investment is that yeah. is that how, how you phrase it? Okay, yeah. Yari, what do you think? Yeah, I love that, and I, I totally agree, Greg. One of the things that has been so helpful is to have those physician voices speaking into not only just the rest of their colleagues about your technology, but also helping you to advance that technology. Uh, but when I think about, so how do you, what's the first thing that I think about in terms of getting my house in order is I, I always look back to the thought that you, need, you dress for the job that you want. <laughs> 
right? You dress for the job that you want. Mm -hmm. And that means that if I'm going to be presenting myself, my company to uh, an investor to, you know, give me millions of dollars, I need to look the part. I need to look like a professional organization. I need to be organized. It doesn't, you don't have to spend a lot of money, yeah. but you have to be diligent on the details. You know, even just your presentation is organized, that the color schemes match. I mean, mm -hmm. little things like that yeah. can send a message of disorganization, uh, start building layers of, of concern yeah. about the diligence that's needed, right? There's a lot of detail in yeah. what we do. And if, you know, your presentation doesn't look organized, yeah. How can I trust you with my with my money to spend it on all the things you need to do to get a product to market? So, so I think dress for the job that you want. I would yeah. apply that to preparing for investment. I love that. I mean, the devil's in the details, mm -hmm. and, when, and when you're trying to show up in a big way and and present to really important key investors, right? I mean, you just absolutely have to make sure that all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. So that's a really good point. I like that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, so, of course, startup life is never just all peaches and roses all the time. I, I'm sure that you both have faced some obstacles along the way. Um, so what were the biggest ob obstacles um, in your path and how did you overcome them? Gary? Yeah. Wow. Uh, after having been with AccuFocus for 13 years, lucky uh -huh. number 13, uh -huh. uh, and the organization had been around for over 20. So there's a long history, a deep history. So uh, it's an overnight success, 20 years in the making uh -huh. is the, the constant joke. <laughs> uh, so in that, in that lifetime, you go through so many different obstacles. There's near-death experiences. There's pivots that have to be made. At AccuFocus in particular, we started in the corneal inlay space, found that that product needed to be you need to have more time to get the organic growth and the learnings around working in the cornea. So we had to make the decision, do we as a, as a venture-backed company have the resources to support commercial launch of a corneal inlay in the U.S. while also developing an intraocular lens? Those are basically two different companies, mm -hmm. two different startups housed under the same roof. So there was a, a point in time where we had to make a pivot and decide what channel, what direction we're going to go. And that was a hard one to make because we had invested all this time and energy in building the corneal inlay space. So we you know, were able to transfer that over to the Cornea Gen team, then focus fully on the IOL and developing that because it deserved all the same amount of time and attention. So that for us was one of the biggest challenges was making that that complete change within the organization and keeping people energized through that change was was one of the challenges but i think that we we weathered that storm i've never heard it referred to as near-death experiences that's yeah. good yeah. <laughs> oh yeah so visual yeah 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 you, you those things always happen and i'm yeah. sure you've run into those where you think oh this data that's that's it yeah. you know it's not this is going to be game over but you persevere, you keep things in mind. I think you were mentioning that just the other day. I liked, uh, you know, your, I'd love, I think it'd be a good thing for you to share here your perspective. Uh, but yeah, just making sure you keep your eye on the prize. Yeah, I mean, if there's, there's no startup goes without a near-death experience or two or, or three or maybe 10. I mean, mm -hmm. and I've, I've been having the, the fortune to work for two now between Glockos in the early days and Orient Biotech. And, you know, I think there were kind of three obstacles I look at in Orient's early foundation that, that, you know, that, that were key. I mean, one, you know, one was we took a, we acquired a technology from Japan in the middle of a pandemic, just simply mm -hmm. trying to tech transfer that from, you know, in, in a part of the world where 
I mean, Japan was locked down, you know, uh -huh. and Shigeru Ishida wasn't readily available, you know, during during that period of time. So that was a challenge. Mm -hmm. I think two is, you know, we're in a part of medicine where you know, we have a drug that's with a cell therapy and a small molecule, and so we're trying to navigate in Northern from a regulatory standpoint between two different parts of the FDA, CBER and, and CDER. And you know, when you talk to biotech people, they say, they'll tell you, oh, you can't talk to the FDA. Conversely, in in, in our world. Uh, at least with Cedar, with, with Dr. Wiley Chambers, he's very open and accessible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you know, we had some, a lot of interesting fights within our organization around, should we pick the phone up and call Wiley or not? Right? Yeah. And you, 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 we laugh about that. We sit back and say, that seems kind of like a trivial thing, just pick the phone and call Wiley. And, yeah. and, and uh, uh, for people outside our industry, that's just not uh, you know, something that they're accustomed to do. But the, what the FDA will tell you is, and frankly, the CRH will tell you the same thing, you know, if you have a question, ask. And mm -hmm. so many people are afraid to ask the question of the FDA, what about X? And, mm -hmm. and they're usually pretty good about mm -hmm. giving you an answer. You may not like the answer, but at least you have clarity. So I think that was the second. The third one was is building the team uh, in self-therapy because there's such a, a lack of experience in this area. Mm -hmm. There's just not a lot of people that you, know, that you can draw upon. And, and you know, the, the really large kind of you know, frothy companies like people like Moderna, they, they, you know, they, they, get, they get all the good talent and you've got to go try to find you got to try to go find it as an unknown company. Go find great people that have deep experience in an area that's like super narrow. And so, those are the big obstacles early on for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for us, you know, a couple of things that just you spurred my my memory on was just making sure that whenever you hear you know information. It's never as good or as bad as first reported. Yeah. Right? That was actually on the wall in the office at AccuFocus, and that was sort that. of our, our north star. Uh -huh. That you know, keep be mindful that it's information, and you just work work any challenges that yeah. you come. And I think making sure you have a great team that works and gels well together and stays focused on the prize. That's where you know that's how you achieve you know the end point end goals that you want is staying aligned and having a clear vision with people like you say, that are, you know, talented, organized, and focused. But I think your comment is important because that's also how you remain emotionally stable dur during a startup, right? I mean, my, my dad had kind of a similar motto when I joined. My dad was a serial entrepreneur, and he said, when I joined this company, he said the same thing is, Greg, it's never going to be as good or as bad as you think. And, mm -hmm. and if, I, if I look at everything we've gone through with Nori in the last two years, I, there were those moments I felt like, oh, my goodness, we're at the end. And I, or okay. I tell my wife, I said, yeah, maybe we were going to have to sell the house in Seattle yeah. and just do something different. And, you know, <laughs> right. But in the end, it's 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 usually not that bad. But more so, it's so easy to, to get caught up in your own kind of your own like successes or your own what you think are successes, and then you lose sight of reality. And the, that can be equally equally dangerous. So I think your comment on you know it's never as good as you think, it's never as bad as you think, is is yeah. absolutely truth. Yeah, which I think speaks to be open minded yeah. and ready to pivot. Right, ready. Maybe you came into this with an idea about where your technology was going to go, but what you're learning is that maybe it serves a different need. And that's, mm -hmm, that's exactly true. what we ran into with the intraocular lens. When we started with uh, the Aptera outside the United States, it was really an extended depth of focus technology. We thought we would be competing just purely in that channel, but as we saw surgeons starting to work with it, we learned that it addressed a completely different unmet need. So we, have the, we could either continue to go down the original path or we could listen to the surgeons and pivot. And ultimately, that made us better people and made the product better and you know, allowed the, it to have a longer life and to find a home with Bausch & Lohm. Yeah. So I think that open-mindedness, taking in information, you know, allowed us to kind of overcome that, that barrier that we had for ourselves. 
Those are great insights, and I love that. So that's the, the theme for this section of the interview. It's never <laughs> as good or as bad <laughs> as you think, so that's fantastic. So, you know, speaking of all of these near-death experiences, <laughs> you know, working in a startup, especially leading a, leading a startup, can be really, really stressful. So how do you guys cope? How did you cope? What, what were your greatest coping mechanisms that, as you look back, you know, really got you through those tough times? Well, so fortunately, I live in Seattle. I'm, I'm a big skier, so you know, the, 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 <laughs> as frequently as I could get, get up to slopes to you know, take a little aggression out, because you, you've got to you've got to have some hobby or something that allows you to, to turn off. Because these jobs you're on 100 percent mm-hmm. of the time, and it'll grind you down if you're not careful. And so, finding a hobby, making sure you, you're able to disconnect with your family, like you know, taking care of your personal health. These are no one teaches you this when you take these jobs, but you learn it very quickly, mm-hmm. or, or you'll burn out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yari, what yeah. do you think? Uh, similar. It's interesting. I, I'm a huge Peloton mm-hmm. addict, so uh, I definitely am a big believer that, you know, getting moving and having, you know, that sort of physical activity helps you to disengage from the, you know, what's happening in your brain so that you're just focusing on, you know, one task. Because I think we're in this society that is very multitask oriented mm-hmm. and just, you know, really wants you to be constantly in motion, constantly engaged with social media, constantly engaged with, with you know, people and and taking that moment to just kind of focus and that's where I think fitness and skiing any sort of act physical activity allows you to center around something that gives you time to breathe mm-hmm. yeah so I think those those moments are important but making sure you schedule them yeah. sticking to a schedule prioritizing them if you you can say you want to do it but if you don't actively set a structure to have those opportunities you know make sure they manifest then you'll never get there so yeah you've got to be f- forward thinking and diligent that is so true that's, that's what i find myself doing on sundays even yeah. just like in bed right before like okay let's get it on the calendar of all week to make yeah. sure this happens yeah. it doesn't always happen but at yeah. least there was the intent yeah. and maybe it happens mm-hmm. three out of five times right yeah so yeah but it's like a it's like a muscle right every yeah. time uh-huh. you you kind of start to think about this and plan it out into your schedule you're going to continue to do that and then it becomes second nature yeah. so mm-hmm. yep. Yep, just like anything, yeah. building habits. Very good advice. So Yari, you recently made a career pivot mm-hmm. um, with the, the B&L transaction, yep. and you've recently started up uh, Y-Factor Consulting. So I'd yeah. just love to give you the platform to tell us a little bit about yep. what, what that's all about. Wonderful. Gosh, thanks, Carrie. I appreciate that. So uh, Y-Factor Consulting was just born out of the idea that, uh, well, first off, I, I learned so much through the AccuFocus experience. I've had tremendous mentors with Al Waterhouse, with you know, Bill Link, Jim Mazo, uh, and you know, so many that I really wanted to take those learnings and be able to help other small companies to, to take their idea from the lab and, and put it together in a package that could then seek funding to help people that are maybe early on in the development process to kind of accelerate that growth. So the way I think about Y-Factors, I'm, I'm helping to empower innovators to take the next steps they need to I love in their business. That. Empowering innovators. That's like your tagline, yeah. I think. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like no it. one more qualified no, than Yari do that. Oh, gosh, thank you. You're gonna you. be so, so successful, Yari. So wishing you Thanks. the best with that. Appreciate um, it. So I do have one last question for sure. you both. Yeah. Um, I've been asking all my guests this today. Mm-hmm. So chat GPT, we can't stop talking about it. I wanna <laughs> know, how are you using chat GPT in your personal life? Like what is it helping you do more efficiently or effectively? How are you using it as a tool, if you are? 
Oh my goodness. Uh, so uh, ChatGPT has become a conversation point at my house. I think it comes up multiple times a day. My, uh, my husband uh, works for a 3D printing company and he uses it quite a lot in the work that he does. And uh, so it's, it's a constant conversation. I've started uh, using it uh, to help with uh, crafting social media posts. Uh, a good friend of mine who just started her own marketing firm, uh, Jennifer Far Strategic, mm -hmm. uh, she's huge into ChatGPT and AI. She's told me about this. I've, I've yeah. taken notes from Jenna uh, uh, too. She's yeah. got great ideas. Yeah, so I think there's a real strong, there's a real great opportunity to leverage AI for content development, but to me it's like anything else, garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to use the system, mm -hmm. you're, it's not going to be effective. So be forewarned, there's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, I see it as an opportunity uh, and look forward to leveraging it more. Personally. So personally, have you used it for your personal life at all? Oh yeah, actually, when I first started putting together like my resume, uh -huh. <laughs> I was like, how can I make this sound stronger, right? Oh, like, that's great. Yeah, so why not give yourself a, a leg up, a place to start? Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah. How about you, Greg? So I'm, I'm kind of a nerd in the sense of, uh, you know, I've always been very inquisitive most of my life. And, and so if, before ChatGPT, like I might go to Google and say, you know, what is X, right? And, and, and you, know, you get like a, a long laundry list of, of, of links, but you know, I, I might ask like a, a, a medical question or you know, I, might, I might be curious about you know, what is this country? And, 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 you know, and you get this huge, like, almost like essay of sorts. You're like, oh wow, okay, and now I feel educated. I mean, yeah. and, and mm -hmm. so I, don't have like, I haven't found like a really good like actual like meaningful purpose of chat GPT yet, but it's, it's kind of, it fits my like G whiz factor, yeah. like the, Jeopardy, the Jeopardy knowledge of sorts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah. Love it. There's an interesting study that just came out and I'm not going to have the right reference for it, so maybe we can add it afterwards. Sure. But they were talking about the use, uh, there was a study done where they took questions that patients had submitted online and they used chat GPT to answer those questions and uh, also had physicians answer them. And then they did, you know, had a survey with yeah. patients to see who, what answer did they prefer the physician or the chat GPT answer. Chat GPT was the winner. Oh my goodness. Right? So so that's that's interesting, scary, but maybe an opportunity. An opportunity uh, to use right. it. Well, I think I saw that scene as well, because I think the yeah. answer was much more empathetic from yes. ChatGPT, which which is kind of you think to yourself you wouldn't expect that. You would even thought the doctor would be more empathetic, but right. the AI was was much better at connecting with patients. That's fascinating. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. scary. I, to me what it says is that physicians are overworked. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. There's True. so there's so much happening and to have that moment to connect with people is is it's really difficult to find and when you know I'm chat GPT I have infinite resources and I'm focused purely on your answer of course I'm gonna do a great job <laughs> but I think that's where we just need more people coming into the space we need better digital tools we need better ways for patient education to happen so you know maybe chat GPT will be a helpful option for that so earlier today we spoke with um, dr. David Brew uh, the global chief medical officer for Microsoft on this very subject so interesting very very timely well yeah. this was a fantastic discussion again thank you so so much for carving out time for it I'm Carrie powers the host of ion innovation for OIS mm -hmm.